So today we'll be talking about Dungeons and Dragons, also known as D&D. &D. Uh, not like D&D, &D. I know I'm guilty of spelling it with D-N-D &D instead of the ampersand. Anyway, I have with me here today Asin, who is uh, actually a, a quite a great Dungeon Master DM. Thank um, you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, and yeah, you're, you're really into D&D &D and you recently got me into it. Uh, I'm not a DM. We'll just explain those terms to actually people that don't know in a minute. But I just wanted to introduce you as the the master D and D that I know. And obviously, you I've never before you I did not know anything about this world. All I remember are like the nerdy interpretations oh, that right we now. have on in the media <laughs> that it would be really boring. But when I played it, it was and I, I still play it currently. By the way. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking and let Austin take over. So why don't you introduce, uh, for, for, those for those that don't know anything about what Dungeons & Dragons is, they may be thinking something else, maybe something kinky. You can, <laughs> you can uh, enlighten us. Yeah, sure. So Dungeons & Dragons is a role-playing game. What that means is basically players um, take on the persona of a character that they create. They try to play this character as best as they can. Uh, their their flaws, their bonds, their at its core, Dungeons and Dragons is a storytelling game. It's a collaborative storytelling game, which means that it exists purely in people's imaginations. Um, as a dungeon master, um, the DM let's go by DM. It's a bit easier to say. The DM essentially describes the world to the players, and then the players will say what they want to do. For example, imagine you're in a throne room. It's ornate. The king has summoned you here because he wants to recover a pie stolen by an orc. It's his favorite pie, and he's hired you to recover this pie. And you, um, in character, would respond and then eventually, hopefully, go on this quest, resolve it any way you wanted to. Now, this can be done by fighting the orc, persuading it to give up the pie. Uh, the only limit is your creativity and your imagination, and that's what makes it so much fun. Okay, so... Uh to sum it up, it's a role-playing game, and uh, what we mean by that is that you can, you're the character, and when you're interacting with the DM, who serves like a, as a narrator, almost, yeah. right? Yeah, narrator, yeah. So yeah. if you entered a room, I would describe it to you in detail, and you could ask me for more information on it. Right. Uh, stuff like that, yeah. I will describe, essentially, the entire world. Um, a lot of DMs actually create their own worlds, too, which is a monumental task, but... Uh, for those of us who are less creative, uh, there's published settings that exist online that you can quickly draw from at a moment's notice. Not necessarily less creative. I would say beginners, right? Yeah. I mean, for anyone getting into this, I can only imagine how hard it is to create a world. To And you're also a moderator. So you could have yeah. anywhere from... Now, if I understand correctly, you told me you can play with one player. It's possible, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, usually... The ideal group size is like three to four players and one DM, it's always one DM, but three to four players because they can bounce off of each other, enough people, they have, you have enough time in the spotlight, uh, any more than four, five, six, it starts to get a bit of a drag, people don't get a chance to speak. Hmm. I guess unless you have a very collaborative group and if you have a very assertive moderator, <laughs> could <Yes>. you still, <laughs> or assertive people that exactly. they'll be like, hey, you know what? you. They can role play and do it. Be like, I punched this guy in the face, and then I interrupted him and say, you know what? Listen to me, right? I can role play that too. Yeah, of course, you can do whatever you want. If you're not, if you're not being heard, if you feel like your character really has to get something out, <laughs> <laughs> and as a DM, I have to do my best to 
keep it in the game. That's the most important thing. You can't bring that stuff out of character, out of the game. <laughs> what do you mean out of character in this context? Well, two characters can have an argument, but right. uh, it's important to keep in mind the distinction between a player of the game and the character that they are playing. Mm -hmm. So two characters, let's say Zorn and Craig, can have a disagreement, mm -hmm. but uh, the players, you and me, Mm -hmm. We wouldn't really be fighting in real life. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense. Um, <laughs> good choices of character names there. Uh, it's taken from Son of Zorn. Uh, Watching a lot of that. Yeah, available <laughs> on Netflix. It, it's a great show. You'd have to have a certain sense of humor to enjoy that. So please, please, uh, please don't it's hate hilarious. if you don't like the show. Um, it is hilarious. Anyway, I could do maybe a podcast about Zorn, but I'm not going to because yes. the subject is D and D. So. You can play anywhere from, like, what a DM can be playing with one person, mm -hmm. and they can be playing with a group of five people. And what you're just... What I like about this game is that... So, when a person is interested in their playing, they create their own character, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, they have a lot of flexibility to choose... Obviously, from a limited options that they have, the D and D world has. Got your classic fantasy stereotypes: elves, dwarves, orcs, etc. Okay, and what else do you choose? Like when you're making a character. So most important, actually, even more important than uh, the biology is the class. Uh, it's, just, it's not like socioeconomic class or anything. <laughs> Don't freak out, anybody. It's just, it's can be more of a job or a profession, let's say. So you can choose uh, a burly barbarian who rushes into battle, foaming at the mouth with anger, or you can choose a bard who is a spellcaster who uses magic through the power of music. Okay. And these are all, these these uh, classes are, are we talking about Tolkien's creations? A lot of it's based on Tolkien's <laughs> creations, of course. He right. is... I guess kind of considered the grandfather of modern fantasy in general. Okay, not the father of modern fantasy, the yeah, grandfather. Father, I mean, he's old. Who's the so father? I, said, I don't know who the father would be. I have to trace I that think, family tree. <laughs> I think it's just an expression <laughs> yeah. we're not talking about. <laughs> because they say, like, Carl Jung is one of the forefathers yeah. of modern psychology. Okay. You can say Tolkien So is. Tolkien is the father of modern fantasy. Okay, okay, all right. Can cool. cut, cut out the rest. Yeah. Um, okay, so you have your class, and then you also have... Things like abilities, right? Mm -hmm. or, or These come from either your racial features or your class mm -hmm. itself. Also, what you could choose at the beginning is your background. So, were you a hermit before you decided to be an adventurer? A soldier, perhaps? A uh, traveling minstrel? Um, and the sky's the limit, right? Exactly, yeah. There's a couple... There's a lot of great pre-written content out there, but uh, at the end of the day, this game, I guess I said it before, is only limited by the imaginations of the players and the DMs. Yeah, and that's that's really what I I, I love that this game has um, it it has it gives you a chance to ex be creative in a way that most games don't. The yeah. first time that I played it, I think what I, how I would describe it is that it's it's like a board game but three dimensional. Like board games are two dimensional, but this is like I feel like my whole world just opened up and I thought what we people play like this and, yeah. and it, it was mind-blowing so right. I, I was and I think if, if you're anybody that in that has an imagination or is creative uh, I know as somebody who loves improv who likes performing to me g coming into this game it was really natural and fun right. to kind of explore and, and yeah so that, that's what that's what I like about it yeah no for um I was actually a little nervous to start playing because of that. When I, my first time playing uh, was with you, actually, we went to uh, a bar in Toronto. I forgot the name of it, but it was through Meetup. They had, uh, I think, weekly gatherings of Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons groups. 
uh, for complete new new people to come to the bar and play and be a part of it. But um, it can seem a little overwhelming to somebody who's not an extrovert. It can seem like you're talking a lot and a lot, and it kind of scared me. But at the same time, something about it really attracted me. Of course, I ended up becoming a DM later, so there had to be something there. But um, I've played a lot of video games in my youth, and so I'm sure that's probably a huge reason why this attracted me too. <laughs> you you mean D and D? You got or being yeah, a DM? Yeah, of course. Well, I think D and D in general, but then being a DM, I it actually it didn't really come to me at first. I didn't really have a group, but uh, I just kind of started reading whatever I could find online. Okay. What attracted uh, me to DMing was how creative it is, and for me, I don't really think of myself as a creative person. But over the last few months, almost a year now of playing the game, I've started uh, drawing. I've started doing better impressions, I'd argue, better impressions than a year ago. <laughs> all sorts of accents, some offensive, some not. Because you have to play all these characters <laughs> and describe it. I think you have to have a good sense of humor because of you course. have a world with different personalities and people. So, uh, you know, you don't have to embody stereotypes, but you can still change voices and, and much like a performer would, right? Or an improviser exactly, would. Exactly, like yeah. an actor almost. You're doing a lot of acting in this game as a DM too. Like <laughs> yeah. I write actual scripts for myself <laughs> for the beginnings of games. Of course, I can never predict what the players are going to say, but I have to do my best to roll with it and do improv basically with each other. And part of that, as I'm speaking, improv is so special, there's actually um, a rule, it's kind of an unofficial rule, it's not in any book you'll find, but everybody on the internet talks about it, is the importance of using yes and when you're playing D&D &D as a DM. It's a golden rule of improv. Exactly, you know all about that doing improv, but in D&D, &D, it's if a player has an idea, yeah. let's say, even if let's say there's a puzzle, and um, for some reason the players aren't really figuring out a solution, but a player might just blurt out something that sounds really funny or like it could work and be a potential solution the dm can just choose to roll with it and say yes actually this is it because mm -hmm. the player has said it they want the player to feel engaged like their ideas matter mm, so the, the dm's role is not only to follow the script or the story that you have but also encourage uh, others other engage others in the game and of yes course. and their ideas because you yeah. don't want to be completely exclusive and be like this is my script i'm following of course this. not yeah it's right. a collaborative <laughs> storytelling game at the, the, at the end of the day right and that's the key word collaborative. The players and the dm are telling the story i know the dm has a, a lot more of the work on them to narrate the story but the players are a pretty huge part of it too it's their story okay okay um and uh and i disagree you are so creative so um <laughs> I mean, from what I've heard and seen is that you're drawing maps, you have all these characters you create, you even create your own storylines, you're writing, you're writing descriptions, as you're saying, as a, as a, as a DM, you describe right. the world around you. So I think, yeah, a lot of, diff a lot of creativity goes into being a DM, but also playing this game. But I know I can speak from a player's perspective, and I have been, but to your point, you are very creative, so how do how do you feel that now being a DM, learning all these little things? Because yeah. I think it's really neat to see you grow in that direction. Thank you. Well, it's actually helped me learn a ton about myself. I never thought of myself as a creative until I started learning all this. Mm -hmm. And you went through a nice catalog of all the skills I've learned. Yeah, I've learned to draw maps, pretty detailed ones. I've taught myself how to use software online. Um, <laughs> I write all the time now. Like, yeah, I'm creating a storyline that I'm running for you guys currently. Mm -hmm. It's what's known as homebrew and the D&D lingo. It sounds like a drink. <laughs> but um, it's basically just whenever a DM writes their own storyline, they don't use any of the textbooks available that are official, officially available. Okay. And um, go ahead. 
No, you go. Uh, so I wanted to actually, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, when did this start? Who created this? We talked about the characters yes. being based on Token, the, the father of modern fantasy. But what, what, how did this start? Who, like, when so, did this start and how did this start? Yeah, it was in the 70s. I think the late 70s. I, I'm probably getting the names wrong, but I think it was two guys by the names of Gary Gygax and Chris Perkins. I think maybe there's a Jeremy Crawford in there too. Anyway, um, these guys got together and they felt a bit limited by the board games available at the time and they felt that they wanted to be more creative. Mm -hmm. And so I guess they designed a rudimentary version of the rules we have today. And um, it started off as a very underground thing. It didn't really gain any traction for quite a while. In fact, most of its publicity was negative. Well, I think it was in the 80s and 90s, there was something called the Satanic Panic, in which, <laughs> yeah, it Sorry. sounds pretty pretty dramatic. <laughs> the Satanic Panic. Yeah, I think it was mostly in the U.S., evangelicals or religious folks in general had a problem with their children playing Dungeons and Dragons. Some religious folk. You yes, can't just categorize them. Like there were, there, was, there were a group of people, right? Some religious folk had a problem with their kids playing Dungeons and Dragons, maybe because it wasn't fully understood. Um, they, they saw the name. It seemed like their kids were kind of being indoctrinated into a cult and they're not acting like themselves anymore. In reality, they were just playing their characters. So why, why were they thinking it's satanic? I mean... Well, in the game, uh, you can go into some kind of, I guess, quote-unquote dark fantasy in that there's blood rituals, there's demons in the game, they talk about angels, they, they don't really, um, they don't follow a set... I mean, you're creating your own world, obviously, <laughs> so you can talk about anything. But I'm just under, trying to understand how did it become? How did it become satanic? Were were there preachers preaching this in church? Like there must have been uh, a group of people that clearly s decided to spread these rumors that it's you know. Uh, you know I think it was actually um, unfortunately there was a story of one kid who ended up committing suicide for unrelated reasons, but he happened to be a D and D player. And I think his parents must have panicked. They realized how much time he was spending with his friends playing the game. Mm -hmm. And so their imaginations probably just went wild. And they maybe found his notes, which was filled with what's basically Greek to them, completely und undecipherable. They can only see um, idols and images, whatever might come up to mind. And so they jumped to conclusions, I think. Very interesting. And it's, it's really funny. I, I can't even imagine anyone trying to... Uh, correlate this game with satanic rituals i don't even know what that means to be honest satan can be anything you know peanut butter can be satan to some people um but <laughs> but yeah right um satan is an illusion uh no that's a different topic so um <laughs> we're talking about obviously D D. it's obvious it's had a huge impact on my life it's made me um, more comfortable in role-playing I think it's also helping me practice my improv skills so um, I actually am a Second City graduate and I love I love love loved every minute of it mm -hmm. uh, improv and I, at this time obviously there's no classes everything's online right. <laughs> but I've been really missing it I can't even see live shows so playing D&D now it has been really a good um, it's been a good outlet for me to express my role-playing uh, side. And uh, and also, actually, can you talk about... Uh, you don't have to play in person, right? So you can play online oh, as well. Course. Yes, one of the great things about this game is that you actually don't need to be gathered around a table with your friends physically. There Although are, it's nice if you do. Of course, it's we, a completely yeah. different experience. Yeah. Um, 
uh, we started playing almost a year ago, and we started playing in person uh, before the pandemic, obviously. But as soon as the pandemic happened, we, of course, social distancing, nobody wants to put themselves at risk, and mm-hmm. nor, nor should they, of course. So luckily, there are things in place um, that let you play D&D online. What we use is something called Roll20. It's just a website that has a game client on there. Players can join, the DM can join, and drag and drop photos. Uh, basically, just create a map in the game, in the, in, on, the, on the internet webpage itself. Uh, they can, players can see what the DM is doing. They can move their little character tokens around, and it's a pretty good experience because DMs can actually put music in, too. Something that's a bit harder to do in person, while still possible. Mm-hmm. But I can put music in, I can hide certain parts of the map from people without it seeming messy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it allows you to be a bit more creative. Yeah, I, I, I definitely noticed it. I mean, when we're playing online, we see the maps and the maps are colored. And before you just, you had this large board, right? <laughs> like almost like a whiteboard where you draw like grids. I was in the Stone and, Age before. Yeah, now and I we had like... our little tiny characters, you know, tiny action <laughs> figures, right? So that's how we would have the characters placements. But when you're online, you see this map and our... Right, tiny tokens you describe. They're basically little icons that yeah. describe <laughs> what your character looks like. They're, yeah. supposed, they're supposed to be your character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really squished and tiny, <laughs> but they're still there. And I love the fact that you can, you know, you, you choose whatever music you want to play. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Legend of Zelda series, and so I shamelessly put all of the tracks from Ocarina of Time into my games. <laughs> and that's great! I'm also a fan, and I love it. I love it. It's like, you know, you have the bar music, and you have, like, you know, All the battles is great. <laughs> yeah, the battle yeah. music. You have the boss music uploaded. Yeah, it really helps you set the mood. I yeah. feel like it's it's so versatile. I can do whatever I want with the music. And sound effects, too. Um, <laughs> I watched a lot of Spongebob in my youth, too. And last game, uh, I used, you know, I think everybody knows it. It's When something's taking really long in the show, there's yeah. this narration voice that comes over, and it's like, two hours later. An eternity later. Right? Yeah, so I found a sound I did this on YouTube, and I put it in the game. <laughs> That was hilarious. It took me by surprise. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I, I didn't think I would enjoy playing online as much as I, I yeah. am. Yeah, because the social aspect is so huge, right? And you miss yeah. out on the, the body language, the side conversations, yeah. the eye contact. So many things are lost when you move online, but so many things are gained. But so speaking of eye contact, what we do is so we have Roll20 open on a browser and then we also have either Zoom or Google Hangouts. And mm-hmm. what you can do is just reduce your window and reduce the the Hangout window or the Zoom window so that you can see everybody. So in your on your computer screen, you can still see people and you can also play. So yeah. we still not, we don't necessarily lose so much of the eye contact because we, we're seeing people. I mean, general eye contact, yes, but you can still feel like you're in a room and see people's faces of course yeah 100 percent. you absolutely need to be on video for this it would be a little awkward i think if there was no video <laughs> <laughs> um no that's great so do you ever plan to be a player i mean are you i would you... love to but uh, unfortunately <laughs> i haven't found any dm other dms in my life yet <laughs> i you've expressed some interest in the past i would yes. love to teach you so yes i can get a chance of being a player i will be doing that yeah. that's on my goals that's on my things to do Perfect. i would love to dm so uh, i'm gonna be learning that skill and and talking about it <laughs> in the future so yeah you're um, gonna be great thank you thank you well you're great i'm I actually you. am i really wish that you can have your own youtube channel and show people because i've seen you grow like in such a short amount of time and like i have so much fun and all of our friends have fun
fun to I'm not assuming it's actually everybody loves this and we all show up all the time and, and we have a great time so that means a lot yeah honestly that's at the end of the day the best thing to hear as a DM is knowing that your players have had fun yeah yeah like we're looking for the next game I think you should have a YouTube channel I'm just saying you know <laughs> just you know so you can I could have put in a plug for you I could have been like if you're interested to learn more follow Austin at you know what next yeah. time next time we have a podcast about this I will have something to plug okay cool <laughs> hopefully Austin will get on his creative side even more and start teaching this online sorry I'm pressuring you into it <laughs> it's okay um, I learned from some great online teachers I understand <laughs> for, so for those that are looking into learning about D&D and don't know where to go because your awesome YouTube channel isn't there yet <laughs> uh, what resources would you recommend to those people yeah so the single best um mentor i guess i've had and millions of people agree with me based on his amount of views on his youtube videos his name is matt colville um he is a longtime dm and he has been kind enough to share his extensive knowledge on the game through a very long playlist on youtube uh there's probably like 100 videos each of them are about 20 minutes but you actually only really need to watch the first couple mm -hmm. spend like an hour then you can kind of get a good idea of what it means to be a dm mm -hmm. how to run the game um, i learned a lot from him but uh Alternatively, I spend tons of time on Reddit. <laughs> Just kind of, I follow a bunch of D&D related pages looking for maps that inspire me. Um, people have all sorts of characters and storylines that they write up, which they release completely for free too. It's amazing. It's a wonderful community actually. So much knowledge is out there for free. All you have to do is really Google it. Yeah, that's uh, that's true for a lot of things. Just Google yeah. it, right? There's so much available. This game seems to be the recurring theme in, in every talk I do. It's like, all these resources are out there. You just have to want to look for them. Of course, um, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure in the future when you create your online you know, profile, you'll be sharing other resources too. And also you can watch celebrities too. There's a bunch of YouTube yes, videos where celebrities are playing. <laughs> and uh, if, you, if you have no idea what it's like, I mean, you can just... Google your, maybe look at celebrities that play D and D, and you can find of the ones that play, you can find your favorite, and then watch them in action to get a sense of what the game can look like. But also keep in mind these are actors, so they're great at role playing. Um, so anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What you're talking about is a great window into what D and D is like. 100%. Any live streams you can find them on Twitch. Everybody's live streaming these days, but there are some quote-unquote professional players and DMs. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people will know if they play D&D, there's this podcast called Critical Role. They're probably the most famous example of D&D live streamers. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, they're all actually professional voice actors. <laughs> so. Well, that helps. That's handy. Yeah, so people watching this show kind of get uh, unrealistic expectations about what D&D is like, potentially. <laughs> If you don't keep in mind that these people are professionals. <laughs> yeah, temper your, your expectations, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting like, paid for this. <laughs> or like, okay, so speaking of uh, celebrities or actors, I mm -hmm. mean, um, the so what about what you see on TV, the portrayal of it? So I know Community <laughs> did, I believe, two episodes on yeah, DD. two hilarious episodes. Everybody should watch them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, so the show called Community with uh, Joel McHale, um, and um, Donald Glover. Donald Glover, yeah. So they have uh, two episodes where they play D and D, and you get a sense of. You kind of get a sense of the basics of the game. Of course, yeah. it's a TV show, and they have to alter the game just so they can adapt it to the screen. But um, <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Anybody should watch it if they want to just get an idea of what the game is like, and also 
laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and also the other the other reference I'm going to mention is from one of my favorite British shows, The IT Crowd. Um, right. When um, Moss decides to, <laughs> you know, introduce these guys that, you know, Jen's, what is she? Jen's like a social manager and these guys are... She's the Fredo. If anybody <laughs> is familiar with The Godfather, Fredo is the guy that uh, showed everybody a good time. So she's In quotations, f- a good time. Yeah. So yeah. she's the Fredo for these traveling businessmen. Yes. And then she's struggling and Moss comes to the rescue. And it's funny because nobody expects him to. Uh, and he basically introduces a role-playing <laughs> game to these traveling businessmen. And it's so funny because these guys are like jocks. They're like the exact opposite <laughs> of a stereotypical D&D player. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, we won't spoil it for you. But if you haven't seen the IT crowd, um, I don't even know what... Is it called Jen the Fredo, I think? I think that's what the episode yeah, might may have been called. Yeah, it's probably called Jen the Fredo. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a great episode. Um, but yeah, <laughs> any other thoughts on celebrity or how it's portrayed outside in the media? Uh, well, actually, currently, it's kind of um, undergoing a resurgence. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are picking up the game and playing it again. And that's in no small part due to how simple the rules have become. They started off with a crazy amount of math in the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Even exactly. nowadays, though, the rules can seem very, very complicated. In fact, they are. I don't know all the rules. Yeah. It's. I don't think any DM really knows all the rules. They'd be lying if they did. But um, it's become a lot more accessible because of the simplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, the game revolves around a 20-sided dice. Basically, you roll the die to, to decide if you... Uh, succeed or fail in any given task mm-hmm. and from this simple foundation you get um, amazing worlds that you can build and create and develop adventures in um, it's just it's so much fun I highly recommend everybody's <laughs> got to try it at least once <laughs> <laughs> and you actually so when you said accessible I actually thought of those that are uh, visually impaired or um, can't see uh, can also been uh, would also enjoy this right because you don't really right. if you have die that are uh, um, accessible like with braille on it or mm-hmm. because you're creating a world and it's in your head so you're not yeah of course yeah you can actually the entire game can be completed without any visual aids it can be played without any visual aids that's and pretty cool it's it might be a little bit harder but uh, the beauty of the game is that it can be done yeah <laughs> Wow, that's, uh, well, thank you so much for joining, Austin. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. <laughs> uh, any Anything else you want to share uh, about D&D or something? Uh, I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Excellent. Uh, well, so thanks for joining, everyone. Um, you can find this podcast on my website, www.artisana.com. So that's www.aartysana.com. Uh, it's on the podcasts, podcast section of the website. Uh, moreover, you'll also find them on Apple's podcast and on Spotify titled Sana Talks to People and Sometimes Yourself. So once again, thanks so much, Alison, for joining us today and enlightening us with uh, the wonderful world of Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> also pleasure. known as D&D. <laughs> okay.